to episode number 105 of the 1085 Great Iron Podcast. I am your host, Andy Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack McCurry of the North Coast Sports. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing good, man. Still buzzing over what's going on this week involving this team, man, but it, it has been a blast, and uh, we get to sit down and talk about some more moves and uh, what's been going on with the Browns and the rest of the AFC North. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned the city buzzing. There's just been a, a different energy uh, in the air uh, around Twitter. Uh, you know, you go to the grocery store, you see people with Browns gear on. It's just a, a fun time to, to be a Browns fan. Uh, you know, the, the odds of us winning the Super Bowl have gone down to 14 to 1. The odds of making it have gone up to. Uh, seven to one. So uh, it seems like a lot of people are excited. Uh, there's a lot of people in Vegas betting on the Browns, and it's going to get very interesting you know, this season to see how that all plays out. Because there's definitely a good chance that uh, they're winning the AFC North, and, and then being able to compete to make the Super Bowl uh, isn't out of the realm of possibility. And we'll we'll get into that kind of detail much later on. But we have some uh, more news to talk about. That isn't OBJ relate, related. Um, though they made a couple more signings, uh, they also made a, a couple of re-signings that we'll briefly discuss. But uh, the Browns signed uh, Demetrius Harris uh, to a two-year, uh, $6 million deal. 3.25 of the is guaranteed. Uh, Jack, when you look at this signing, now, you know, these two signings that they made are, are nothing more than depth signings but what do you think Demetrius can bring to this team well when you look at him you know he's six seven he's big boy he's only 27 years old uh he pretty much is the replacement to Darren Fells was a solid run blocker solid pass blocker was even better than Darren Fells was last year obviously the connections there uh from Kansas City with John Dorsey um like I said he's six seven so he down in the red zone, he might be able to be an extra target for Baker when he's already got so many already offensively. The only thing you worry about is he has the highest drop rate among tight ends the last few seasons. So I think that's why you have guys like David Njoku. You have Seth DeVal, who's still currently on the roster. Uh, you look at Harris as more of a blocking tight end, but maybe Freddie Kitchens has something in mind and will incorporate him into the end of the pass game. You just hope that Harris will be able to hold on to the ball. I saw that he did run uh, like a four-five uh, at the combine, which you know that's a pretty that's pretty athletic for being a, a guy that's six-seven. Um, you know, it'll be interesting what they do with him in offense. I, I think they could use them uh, to decoy a lot of things. Obviously, you talked about his run blocking; um, that, that's going to be very important. 
Um, you know, hopefully maybe Njoku can pick up a couple things from him in, in terms of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they are able to do with Demetrius Harris. Obviously, uh, we both have confidence in Freddie that he'll be able to find um, a good spot for him and, and help him fit in into this offense. Uh, that, that's now completely loaded with, with talent and weapons uh, everywhere you look. Uh, one of the other signings they made uh, is linebacker Darius Taylor. Uh, they signed him to a two-year, uh, $5 million contract with $2.55 million guaranteed. Uh, he comes from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but he was with Steve Wilkes, I want to say, for a year, maybe two, uh, when he was in Carolina. So when you look at uh, Darius Taylor uh, as a linebacker, Jack, what do you think we're getting in him? It's more of a depth signing, to be honest. When you look at his numbers and everything, last year was his the first season where he got a significant amount of playing time. He was more of a backup, and I would imagine a special teams guy, uh, his first year at Carolina and then the last several seasons in Tampa. But then when Quan Alexander went down with the torn ACL, Taylor got more of a chance to play. He started in 10 games, did not grade out well, according to pro football focus, not a good run defender. I just think his familiarity with the defense, I'm sure Wilkes liked him during that one season in Carolina. Um, so he's depth. We needed depth at the linebacker position to see what he's got. Um, I think his numbers showed he was a solid athlete. Um, he played a lot of middle linebacker at Tampa last year. He's more of a outside linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see what Wilkes has in mind for Taylor because I'm sure you know, he made the recommendation to Kitchens and the front office about bringing this guy in. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Uh, another linebacker that they uh, that they re-signed was Ray Ray Armstrong. You know, they seem to be uh, kind of high on this guy as a rotational piece. Uh, do you th- expect him to make significant contributions to the team at all? Yeah, I mean, he was on the team the second half of last year, you know, and if anything, he brings, you know, we need guys on special teams for sure. Um, Armstrong's a great athlete coming out of Miami, so I think you're looking at, you know, more athleticism when it comes to the linebacker position, and, you know, like we just talked about with bringing in Taylor, we needed depth at that spot, definitely. Um, I hope they're not done because outside of Schobert and Kirksey right now, the linebacker position is really the big question mark on this team as it stands. So, you know, I hope, you know, Dorsey's got another trick up his sleeve to upgrade that linebacker position. But, you know, to bring in Armstrong, at least, you know, through training camp and preseason to see what he has, it doesn't affect this team at all uh, long term. Well, one guy we thought that they had resigned uh, was wide receiver Brashad Perriman. Uh, we thought that they had re-signed him to a one-year, $4 million deal, but after the Odell Beckham trade went down, uh, this kind of broke towards the end of our podcast, and we really didn't get to expand on it. Um, he decided to take the same deal and go down to Tampa Bay, and uh, they mutually, between Dorsey and, and Paramount's camp, uh, decided to uh, void that contract, uh, even though nothing had been signed yet. Um, so that way Perriman could go down to Tampa Bay. Are you surprised that Perriman went down there, or you know, is it just a fact that uh, his playing time with Odell Beckham here now was probably going to be little to non-existent? Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows 
A, that, you know, Rosenhaus was intimidated by another wide receiver, especially the caliber of Odell Beckham entering that wide receiver room, obviously was going to take reps and targets away from Perriman. Um, but maybe Per I don't know why Perriman just didn't want to stay on, you know, and compete, you know, compete with Higgins, compete with Callaway. You know, he's a great athlete. I mean, it's why didn't he why didn't he stay on and try to compete with these guys? But now you're going from a situation in Cleveland where you're the fourth or fifth guy on the wide receiver depth chart to you go down to Tampa and you have to compete with Mike Evans. You have to compete with Chris Godwin. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a solid chance he's the third receiver there because Humphreys is gone and um, Deshaun Jackson's gone. But is he really going to be that much of a bigger role player? Or is he going to be in a bigger role in Tampa than he was in Cleveland? Because outside of Evans and Godwin, you have to deal with O.J. Howard and who knows who else they could bring in. So I don't really understand Perriman's move. I think it kind of shows that he's not a team player. He's looking out for himself and his long-term NFL career, which is a shame because I thought he was a solid player here. You know, he stuck to his role in Cleveland and was productive. So we'll see what happens with his career as it, uh, time goes on. Yeah, as long as he's able to continue to hold on to the football, which was his major issue before he got here, uh, I think he'll be just fine. Uh, you know, I don't blame players for trying to uh, secure uh, their future, especially in the land that the NFL lives in with not guaranteed contracts and stuff like that. So anytime a player decides that you know to take an option that might be better for them, uh, I, I don't blame him too much for it. Um, another guy that was released, and we'll, we'll talk about it uh, kind of briefly because I, I don't think it's going to make too much of an impact if he were to sign with the Browns, but uh, the Chiefs released safety Eric Berry. Um, you know, obviously there, there's a tie there with John Dorsey, but Eric Berry is not the, the same player uh, that he once was. Uh, you know, he battled cancer, he beat cancer. Uh, he also has suffered a lot of injuries uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Jack, if the Browns were to sign uh, Eric Berry, how much of an impact, if any, do you think that he would bring to the back end of the defense? It, you know, <clears throat> outside of a football thing, you know, Field Yates was on Bull and Fox yesterday. And he said that whoever adds Eric Berry to their locker room is getting a great high character person and a great veteran leader. And I think that would be awesome for this uh, Browns team because, you know, there's a lot of characters and personalities now in this Browns locker room. And, you know, I think they have good veteran leadership and level headed guys. But, you know, you still have to worry about, you know, Odell Beckham and, you know, Landry and, of course, Baker. But I think Baker will be level headed especially, but excuse me, um, you know, with Barry, he's dealt with a lot of injuries the last couple seasons. He's not, like you said, he's not the player he once was. Um, it'll be interesting if the rumors are true. There was rumors yesterday that, you know, John Dorsey might've been trying to trade for Eric Barry, um, who was due seven and a half million on Friday. And that's why the chiefs ultimately cut him. If they bring him in, um, you know, obviously I don't think they're going to depend on him to be the former all pro safety that he was. Cause I don't think he can get back to that point anymore, especially after coming off an Achilles injury. And he, I think he had to deal with the ankle injury last year as well. So, um, 
But, you know, if you add him with Derek Kindred and Demarius Randall, you have three safeties there that have a lot of potential to cause havoc in the secondary. But uh, I wouldn't bank on him if I'm the Browns. I would, you know, look to maybe give him a incentive lay steal, much like Buffalo did with Kevin Johnson, who the Browns were also interested in, um, just to see, like, if we bring him in, let's see what he can do. If he hits these criteria, then he makes X amount of money. But if he's still uh, feeling the effects of those injuries, then the Browns can cut him and it won't hurt them cap-wise. Um, yesterday I made uh, updated Cleveland Browns uh, depth. depth. No, that's another word I can't say. Chart for uh, Browns film breakdown. Jack, when you look at that chart, uh, you know, obviously, you see a lot of talent everywhere, but where do you see uh, potential uh, holes on the roster? I, I would say they're probably more on the defensive side. Yeah, when I look at it, I see the cornerback position. I think they need to add some depth to the the linebacker position because, like I said, out of Schobert and Kirksey, I don't really count Avery as a linebacker because I look at it as more of a pass rusher. But, you know, the linebacker position definitely and then at the cornerback position because, you know, Denzel Ward, you know, he's got the concussion issues. Uh, we don't know if Terrence Mitchell can back up what he did last year in a limited basis just because of the injuries. And then, you know, TJ Carey was inconsistent. And then you have a lot of unknown on the back end of the cornerback depth chart. So, you know, if I'm the Browns right now, I'm looking at, you know, trying to find some linebackers and then trying to find some corners and maybe even another safety because behind Kindred and Randall, there's question marks with uh, the guys there. So, it, you know, we have like 41 million in cap space still. We still have eight draft picks. And uh, I would have to thank John Dorsey and the front office and even the coaching staff for being aggressive and trying to add some depth to those positions for sure. And you know, anywhere on the roster because depth isn't a bad thing. And, you know, you hear trade rumors about Agba and, you know, Kindred was involved in the Beckham trade rumors. Like, you know, it's not going to hurt the Browns to have depth, especially in a key positions like corner and, you know, linebacker and stuff, because we've seen injuries like last year when Schobert went down that, you know, the production went down as well at those positions. So depth isn't a bad thing. And I hope that, you know, the front office is staying aggressive to find that depth. You kind of transition into the next topic for, for us. And that, that is uh, the Browns are rumored to be shopping uh, Emmanuel Agua after officially acquiring, acquire, boy, I am having trouble with words today, acquiring Olivier Vernon uh, from the Giants. Um, He's somebody I wouldn't move, uh, but Jack, if they did decide to move him, what do you think his his value would be? Uh, you know, if they did move him, I would think maybe like a mid round pick. Um, I seen Dane Brugler suggest the idea of you know taking our second round pick, and this is the draft day scenario where you take pick number forty nine, you package it with Agba, and then move up like ten or so spots. I know the defensive. Uh, class is really stacked and I don't know if a team would essentially do that but you know maybe move up into the top 10 of the second round and find a guy that the Browns are targeting that might have slipped out of the first round or know that he's not going to be there at pick 49 but if they just straight up trade him to somewhere I would think maybe a fourth round pick at best 
Um, you know, Agba's going on his contract year, and I think he can help a team, and I think he should stay here because I think he can help the Browns, whether as a pass rusher or, you know, kicking inside as a rotational defensive tackle uh, to, you know, give Richardson and Ogunjobi a break. But um, obviously his name's been floated around in trade rumors. Doesn't seem like he's a long-term fit. So if we could get a fourth, maybe even a third-round pick. I mean, we got a third-round pick for Danny Shelton, so... I think Agba could help any team. It's just a matter of, you know, finding that trade partner and executing a deal. Yeah, I know. Uh, I remember when he was drafted. I remember Dallas was very high on him. So maybe that's that could be a possibility there uh, if they wanted to, to trade for him. Um, you know, what do you look at? We, we talked about the, the depth on, on this roster a little bit. Um but when you look at it, would you say that they're more likely to add to it via the draft and the eight selections that they have right now? Or do you expect them to uh, maybe sign two, three, four more uh, free agents? You know, not big names, just rotational guys, and then still add, uh, you know, those eight draft selections as well. I think they're going to stay aggressive. I don't know if it'll be in free agency. Maybe they pull off some trades. I know we talked about it with Jared Mueller from the OBR that uh, we expect him to be aggressive and or the Browns to be aggressive and, um, you know, maybe trade for some veterans, you know, not essentially have a lot of draft picks for the 2019 draft. But, you know, you know, like I said, we do have $41 million in cap space, so you know, maybe they go out and sign some guys, you know, some veterans that are willing to not take a lot of salary or command a lot of salary and just to take like a one year deal just to, you know, try to compete for the AFC. Because I think the Browns team is good enough to get to that point where we can talk about, you know, being in the AFC championship and potentially the Super Bowl. So, you know, <clears throat> the draft, I don't know if anybody in the draft you know, especially in the middle rounds could really make that much of an impact just because of the talent we already have on this team. But it'll be interesting. I, I think John Dorsey knows what he's doing at this point um, based on what he's done the last 14 or so months since taking the job. So I'll let that man do the uh, handle that business. Well, I, I think you have some confidence because when you look at last year's draft, uh, you had Antonio Callaway in the fourth round. Uh, you had Jannard Avery in the fifth round. So I think that um, – there's definitely guys in those rounds uh, that can make an impact uh, year one, but uh, you know, not expecting those guys to. Uh, it, it really is the best case scenario for Browns, just letting them sit there, develop, uh, you know, maybe get some playing time here or there. But uh, you know, as long as they're able to uh, develop and uh, continue to play well uh, behind the starters, uh, you know, that's a really good thing for the Browns. Um, you know, this offseason has gone very well for the Browns in terms of rebuilding and expanding on the talent on their own team, but also the fact that the other teams in the division, particularly the Steelers and the Ravens, have lost a ton of talent uh, on both the offensive and defensive side of the football, uh, both teams. Uh, you know, with the Steelers, obviously they traded Antonio Brown away, um, you know, they uh, let Le'Veon Bell go uh, with the Ravens. Um, you know, John Brown left. C.J. Mosley left. Uh, Darius Smith left. Um, Terrell Suggs left. Uh, they cut Eric Weddle. So, you know, those are, are 
key players on, on both teams that are, are no longer going to be in the AFC North. And you have to think that, at least on paper right now, uh, the Browns are uh, the favorite to win the AFC North. They just have to go out and prove it uh, on the football field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at what's going on in the AFC North, you can see it's the it's the transition of power in the division. Um, you know, when I look at, you know, what Baltimore's done, you know, they've let a lot of their defensive guys, like their leaders, their productive guys, like let them all go. And I, I don't understand that move. It kind of thought I, they were going to rebuild, but then, you know, they went out yesterday, signed Mark Ingram, and then they went ahead and signed Earl Thomas, who, you know, is one of the best, if not the best safeties in football. You know, you add him to a secondary that's got Marlon Humphreys, that's got Tony Jefferson, and they got Brandon Carr, and they got Jimmy Smith. I mean, that's a talented secondary, and that's going to be interesting to see what they do against the Browns offense. And that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. But I look at them, you know, up front, you know, there's questions at linebacker, I think. up Defensively up front, they're good. And then on offense, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. It seems like they're going to run the ball a lot with Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be interesting to see what Baltimore is going to do. I expect them to be competitive because, you know, we've seen it since, you know, the Browns came back that the Ravens have been a major thorn in our side for the last 20-so years. I think they're going to be very reliant on the play-action pass. Uh, you know, obviously they, they brought in Mark Ingram. Uh, he's – uh, a pretty decent running back, uh, and when you have the option of him running or Lamar Jackson running, um, you know if they're able to focus on the play action pass with the uh, receivers that they have left, uh, I think that could help uh, help out Lamar and the running game quite a bit. Uh, you know, obviously if he's able to complete those passes. When you look at the Steelers, uh, you know obviously you know losing. Uh, a top wide receiver and, and a top running back uh, is not good for any team. But, you know, when you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, they seem to always find guys uh, to replace, you know, those higher name guys, and they seem to not miss a beat. Uh, they do still have Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, who's come on over the last couple seasons really strong. Uh, James Conner, uh, you know, had a tremendous season last year taking um, – Leaving on Bell's place, so you know, their offense still could be uh, relatively impactful. Uh, they signed Dante Moncrief as a wide receiver, uh, which could be a very good number two. Uh, they did lose Jesse James as their tight end, so they'll have to find another playmaker there. But you know, we, we always think of Pittsburgh's offense is going to be uh, relatively strong, and on the defensive side of football, they signed Steven Nelson. Um, who uh, Browns, quite a few Browns fans wanted uh, us to sign uh, as a rotational piece at, at cornerback. So um, they've made some solid moves, but I think the talent they let go absolutely has outweighed the talent that they've brought in. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. When you lose one of the top three running backs in the NFL, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, you think it's going to take a hit. And, you know, I look at Pittsburgh and – you know, they didn't have Bell last year. They had um, James Conner and even Jalen Samuels, and the running game didn't skip a beat. Yeah, they're losing Antonio Brown, but they have Juju Smith-Schuster, who I could argue was already a number one receiver 
opposite Antonio Brown. Now he is the number one receiver in Pittsburgh. Um, I do like the Moncrief signing that they they did last night. Um, and also keep an eye on James Washington. They drafted him last year in the second round out of Oklahoma State. Um, he might take a jump much like Juju Smith-Schuster did last season. And, you know, you have three solid wide receivers there. Um, I do like the addition of Steven Nelson as well. And to the secondary, I was hoping he'd come here. Um, they needed a corner opposite Joe Hayden because Artie Burns hasn't worked out. So I think Nelson's a good fit for them. Um, but much like you said, they lost Jesse James. They have Vance McDonald, who had some flashes, but they need to go get a tight end. Just so happens that the tight end class is stacked. So um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. And they also need to find a new right tackle. They shipped out Marcus Gilbert for a six-round pick. Um, but Pittsburgh's had a solid offensive line the last couple years. I think they'll be okay. And they still have Ben Roethlisberger. So the Steelers are definitely going to be a force. And that's the one team that I would still put ahead of the Browns when it comes to the AFC North because until we could knock them off, which may happen this year and it may not. But, you know, if the Browns are going to be going to be contenders starting this season, they're going to ultimately have to knock off Pittsburgh off the top of the AFC North. I have a, a very legitimate, serious question for you. Do the Bengals know that free agency started, or are they still uh, trying to hire coaches for your coaching staff? I think they are still trying to find coaching staff. I'm sure there's a position vacant on their staff that Zach Taylor hasn't been able to fill yet, and they're going to get to that, and then they'll eventually um, sign some free agents. Possibly, if there's anybody left. Uh, well, they are they are bringing in Shaq Barrett for a visit today, and that would actually help their linebacker room, which uh, that would be one significant hole in their defense that they need to upgrade, and Barrett could do that. Um, but other than that, I really don't know what the hell they're doing in Cincinnati. Yeah, you know, it, it's curious to see if they're going to go through that full rebuild process or if they're going to spend two years kind of retooling and, and make a jump for it, uh, you know, maybe next year, but... You know, that roster down there definitely needs some work. Uh, you know, we'll see what the new coach and Zach Taylor can do with Andy Dalton if he could somehow resurrect them, uh, get the most out of them, do something with them, or if they're going to be looking for a, a new quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they took one in this draft, uh, but uh, I guess we'll we'll find out what Zach Taylor and the rest of the Cincinnati Bengals want to. Want we'll to do this offseason uh, if they ever start making moves. All right. Is there anything else we want to discuss before we get on out of here? Well, I just wanted to add with Cincinnati, you know, they re-signed Bobby Hart, who was one of the worst offensive tackles in the league, to a three-year contract. That was really stupid. And also, I seen something this morning. We're recording this on Thursday. And the Redskins are wanting to make a splash at the wide receiver position. And... You know, they said it might be in a trade. Well, the only name that I think that I could see getting moved that would be a splash trade for a wide receiver would be A.J. Green. So I would just I'm not, you know, reporting anything. I'm just speculating. But if the Redskins were to go out and make a bold move, maybe it would be Jay Gruden working with his former team, Cincinnati, to bring A.J. Green to the Redskins. And, you know, they could send some draft picks to Cincinnati and they can get the rebuild started. Because, you know, they ultimately need to tear that down. They need to find a new quarterback because Andy Dalton's definitely not the guy. And 
you know, that would just be something interesting to watch. So I would keep an eye on that. Also, before we wrap things up, Mary Kay Cabot reported while we were recording, the Browns are shopping Duke Johnson, which I don't want to read the tea leaves, but maybe she's heard that the Browns are shopping Duke because the Kareem Hunt suspension might not be as long as people think. So stay tuned, Browns fans. And I believe you mentioned to me that his salary becomes guaranteed tomorrow. Yes. He's due, he'll get $1.8 million, which is his base salary, is guaranteed tomorrow. So that should be something to keep an eye on. You know, when you talked about the, the speculation, I, I kind of wish I had the, the recto speculation sounder, but I do not have that, and nor will I ever rip that off from the Ken Karma show. Um, all right, Jack, as we get on out of here, go ahead and plug everything you got going on. I know your site this year has absolutely taken off. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and discuss what you got going on. Yeah, as always, check out the northcoastsports.com uh, for all the latest on Cleveland sports. Wrote a piece talking about what we just talked about with uh, what the other AFC North teams have been doing so far in free agency. Um, like I've, I've mentioned the last couple episodes, Jack Duffin of the Paul Brown uh, Browns podcast is a contributor. So go check out his work and also uh, follow me on Twitter at Jay McCurry CLE. Uh, as always, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Facebook at 1085 Greeniron. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I. Uh, you can find a podcast on any platform uh, that you listen to podcasts on, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We would absolutely appreciate it. Uh, with all that, uh, we're going to get on out of here. And as always, uh, remember, go Browns.